want to invite you now to take out your, uh, your sermon outline that's in your worship folder if you like to track along with that. I want to jump right into the passage for today. We'll throw it up on the, on the screen for you. Um, I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 6. We're in a series called Killer Questions. And we've been looking at these different questions that come up in Scripture, questions that just kind of challenge the best that's in you and really make us think and, and respond to what God is, is up to. And today is one of those questions that I hope it rocks you all the way down to your toes because it is a powerful, powerful question. You ready? We're going to jump into the Scripture. We have Bibles in, in front of you on the back of the pews. Um, we're going to be reading from the New International Version. That's the version that's there for you. If you need a Bible, feel free to take one of these Bibles home. Or if you have a friend who needs a Bible, take one and give it to them. Those are our gift to you. You ready? Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Let me just pause for a second. I want you to let that sink in. I saw the Lord. When's the last time you really saw the Lord. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. They were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongue with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, you ready? Read this out loud with me. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, Send me. Let's read that, that, just that last part again. Say it with me. Here am I, send me. One more time, church. Here am I, send me. Look at me. Make eye contact. Can God count on you? Just, just, just let that sink in. Can God count on you? Isaiah was not prepared for this encounter with the Lord. You know, not only was the presence of God just unbelievably overwhelming, but what you see in this moment is, is, is God letting Isaiah know that he wants him to be a part of what he is up to on this earth. And God is always about that. One of the things that you see from cover to cover in Scripture that absolutely blows me away is that God invites us to participate with him in the work that he is doing. Now, just a question. Let it sink in. Are you one of God's agents? Are you one of God's ambassadors? Wherever you found yourself last week, were you aware that you were in that place as a representative of God? 
You see, I think when I, when I read this question, it, it, just, it just really knocked me back for a second because I really believe that is God, that question that we ask today is God's great question that he is asking to the church right now. Who will go for me? Who can, who can I send? Who can I count on? Can God count on you? Well, track with me on the outline. We need agents. We need agents of God. We need agents of God to our families. We need agents of God to our families. You know, last week we, I, I did this message on how do we protect our kids. And I talked about the fact that, you know, God's design is that this whole thing of faith is handed down from generation to generation. And we talked about what we need to do as parents and grandparents and people who have influence in young people's lives to, to really pour into them. And when I came back to this, I thought, man, this is, this is exactly what Isaiah, God is saying to Isaiah is I, I need some of those. I need an agent of mine who will represent me. This is a thought. But last week, as you encountered your family, wherever you were in your household, did you, were you reminded that you are an agent of God there? Were you the presence of God for your family? We need agents of God that way. We need agents of God in our schools. We need agents of God in our schools. I'll, I'll never forget when... Um, when Wanda and I moved from Pennsylvania to Phoenix, Arizona, um, we took our kids up to the elementary school that was around the corner. And, and I got to be honest, we were a little bit apprehensive because, you know, we had gone from a coming, coming from a community of like 16,000 in PA and to the fifth largest city in the country. And we were concerned about, you know, putting our kids in public schools and what, what we, you know, what are we going to encounter? But we were committed that we want to be salt and light in this world. And we wanted our kids, you know, to be there. And as we went into the school and we were talking with the vice principals and the counselors and stuff, I'll never forget the, the woman across the desk. I think she was one of the vice principals and she saw that Wanda had a cross necklace on. And this vice principal says to Wanda, he said, I love your cross. And Wanda looked down and she goes, oh, thank you. And, and she leaned across and she said, I'm a Christian too. And she said, I want you to know that every single day before school starts, there are a group of us as administrators and, 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 and teachers who are Christians and we walk the halls of this school and we pray that God's presence will be here and we pray for our students and we pray that God would use us as teachers and administrators to be his representatives right here at, at, at Saguaro Ranch Elementary. And, I, and Wanda and I were standing, we're just going like, this is so cool. I want my kids in a place where teachers have that kind of attitude and that kind of, that kind of mentality. They see themselves as agents of God. And whether you are a teacher, an administrator, or whether, look at me, or whether you are a student, wherever you go, you get the chance to be an agent of God in those schools. Amen? God needs agents of, uh, agents of God in our neighborhoods. You know, one of the things, why do I love our neighborhood in South Moore where we live and uh, it's been so cool for us to actually get to know our neighbors around us. And it is so funny, the opportunities that God has given us to, to not only get to know our neighbors, but to, to listen to their hearts and to, and to pray with them. Uh, we've got one neighbor that we, we absolutely love, but man, she is a yacker. Anybody got a neighbor like that? 
And it's kind of one of those neighbors that you know, if, if, if she catches you, you're going to be there a while. You know, it's just going to happen. And, but we love her to death and we love to, you know, because it has given us such an opportunity to hear about her family and to come alongside her with some challenges. And we've been able to do that. And I thought, you know what? Everywhere we are in these neighborhoods, God needs agents there. Amen? He needs agents there. We need agents of God in our workplace. We need agents of God in our workplace. You know, my father um, was not a highly educated man. My dad dropped out of school in 10th grade, and he worked in factories all of his life. He was a, a really hardworking guy. And my dad, even though he wasn't extremely well-educated, one of the things I loved about my father is he saw his job as a ministry. He wasn't just there as a machinist. He was there as an agent of God. And, and I can still remember my father telling me stories about men that he got to talk to, men that he got to witness to, men who went through hard times, who were dealing with different problems or going through a divorce, and how he was able to come alongside of them, listen to them, share with them, pray with them. Because to dad, it wasn't just a job. It was a mission field. It was a mission field. And I thought, wow, what would happen if we all looked at our jobs that way? We need agents of God in our communities you know, some of you are like me. I'm on community, a couple community boards here in our community, and uh, some of you are like that. And, and I thought about this idea that, again, you know, we get to go and we get to be on these boards, and we need agents of God there serving in these organizations. We need some of you who God is going to raise up and be a part of our local government, state government, national government. We need agents of God in our government. Amen? We need you there. We need people who are going to represent what God is all about. I just want you to get this. God makes his presence known through us. Are you being an agent of God? Well, I, I want to go back, and I, I just want to, I want to catch a, go back to this text again. And I want to just pull out a, a couple of thoughts that I think Isaiah gives us in this text that maybe, maybe help us step into this just a little bit more clearly. Are you ready? Here's just some things I observed in the text. Maybe this will help you as you think about being an agent of God. If you're really going to do this, I think we need to catch a fresh glimpse of God. I, need, I think we need to catch a fresh glimpse of God. You know what happened for Isaiah? Wasn't, this wasn't the first time Isaiah had ever heard about God. He knew about God, but he encountered him in a fresh way. And when you do that, I think it changes everything. I, I love this. I, I thought about a few different things. One, when you, when you really catch a fresh glimpse of God, you get to remind yourself of who God is. You get to remind yourself of who God is. And you know what? That will, that will stoke that passion. That, that'll like to ignite that passion inside of us. Uh, some of you heard uh, that Juan and I took a trip a couple weeks ago. Uh, we celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary this, this summer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. She, don't worry. Yeah, she's not that hard to live with. She's okay. Uh, she, she may get to heaven just for that, though. That's, that's true. Um, but we, we decided what we wanted to do this year is we wanted to go back to the camp where we met. And, um, and where we got married at. We got married at our youth camp where we met in ninth grade in uh, Marengo, Ohio. And so we planned this trip across country and we stopped and saw people from our wedding party that we had seen in 45 years. And they all got old. 
we were, one of them, I were like, holy cow, how can we still look so young? And they all got old. I just, it's not, I don't understand it. But it was so much fun. We, but we got there, and we got to these different people, and Wanda took her, her scrapbooks with her and her, her, her photo albums and stuff, and she starts pulling out these pictures. And I'm looking at pictures from when we first met, and I'm looking at these pictures from, you know, when we first started dating and the pictures from when we, when we got married. And I was looking at, just looking at our faces, and, and it just reminded me of that, of that time and what that was like. And can I tell you what began to happen? As I began to look at those pictures and we began to tell those stories and we began to go back through down memory lane, the fire in my heart for my wife just began to get hotter and hotter. And I'm thinking, you know what? Holy cow. I married Wanda Kowalski. What? No, you don't get it. She was the most beautiful girl at camp. She was the smartest. She was so awesome. Every single guy wanted to be with her, but I got to marry her. Can I tell you how awesome that is? You know, but you know, it, come on, isn't it so? Sometimes we just get so familiar that we lose that passion, even for the things of God. Catch a fresh glimpse of God, and I promise you, when you remind yourself of who he is, you'll, it'll light that fire. It'll light that fire. Remind yourself of what God can do, because that will increase your faith. Remind yourself of what God can do. Sometimes we forget that God is the one who he created this universe. He can work in incredible ways. And once we begin to remember what God can do, we can start believing again what he's up to now. Remind yourself of how God works. Remind yourself of how God works. You know how he works? Through you and me. And when you remind yourself that God has chosen to work in this world through people, that will raise your sense of responsibility. That will raise your sense of responsibility. Just repeat out loud after me. God works through people. People like me. Let's do that again. God works through people. People like me. And when, and when again we remind ourselves, because how often, come on, how often have we been on our knees talking to God saying, God, you need to do something. You need to do something. God, you need, I heard about these starving kids in Nicaragua. Lord, why don't you do something? And God says, I did. I created you. And once we begin to take responsibility to be the agents of God, baby, that's a game changer. That is absolutely a game changer. Catch a French glimpse of God. Let me give you another one. Don't let your past rob you of your future. Don't let your past rob you of your future. You know what happened to Isaiah? Did you, you, you catch it in the story? Just as soon as he got that fresh glimpse of God, you know what happened? When he came into the presence of this holy God, he became very aware of how unholy he was. And, and it's really easy when you realize, you know, your past and how you failed and all your inadequacies. When you get caught in that, it's real easy to kind of check out and go, yeah, I know God uses people, but man, I'm, I'm not worthy of being used. Well, none of us are worthy of being used, but God chooses to use us anyway. Don't you dare let the things that are behind you rob you of the things that God has before you. 
You know, I, I love the story of Moses, Exodus chapter 3, where Moses has fled Egypt because he killed a guy. Moses gets married, and his father-in-law has some sheep, and he's shepherding these sheep for him. He finds himself up on a mountain, and he sees this bush that's on fire. And he goes, wow, that's wild. And so he walks over toward the bush, and then God begins to speak to him out of this bush. And in this conversation, God says something pretty fantastic to Moses. He goes, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt where you are a wanted felon, and I want you to walk into the court of the most powerful king on the face of the earth, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. How many of you, if you would have been Moses, you'd have freaked out a little bit? Well, Moses did. I mean, you read the story. Moses is like, ha, yeah, right. Well, look at, look at what happens. It says, but Moses protested to God, who am I? You know, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Read it with me, church. God answered, I will be with you. God doesn't call us because we are all of that. God calls us because he is all of that. And, that, and that's what you need to know. God is bigger than your past, whatever your past is. That's why I put that statement on your outline. Who you've been doesn't have to determine who you can be. Right, tomorrow uh, at the Early Wine Park YMCA, um, every Monday we have a, a, a community prayer time. And we took a break for the summer and we kicked it off again last Monday. Had 23 people there to gather to pray for our community. We talked about the faithfulness of God Tomorrow, uh, in our community prayer time, we're going to be, the, the theme of the day is about the grace of God. And I've asked uh, Tammy Smith to share her testimony with the group of the great grace of God. And a lot of you don't know Tammy, and some of you don't know Tammy's story. But long story short, Tammy was an addict and who had gotten addicted to drugs. And as a result of her addiction and choices, she ended up in prison. But yet, even though an addict and even though ending up in prison, God never gave up on her. And God redeemed her, saved her, brought her out. And now, Tammy, stand up, Tammy. I saw you were here today. Tammy is the head of our Celebrate Recovery program. You see, our God is so amazing. He can take what the enemy means for evil and redeem it for good. And he can do that with you. Don't you dare believe that your past has sealed it all because it hasn't. Man, God is all about the future. Let me give you another piece from the text. And this may hurt just a little bit. And that is that God's powerful work through us actually begins with his purifying work within us. Say that again. God's powerful work through us almost always begins with a purifying work in us. Psalmist has a great prayer. Read it with me. God, create a pure heart in me and renew a right attitude within me. <laughs> I read a, uh, I read a, a, a really cute uh, blog devotional that a guy named uh, John Walker wrote. He was talking about his dog, and I just thought this was such a great story and so fitting for this point. He was talking about, he said, my dog's name is Jasmine, 
And he said, Jasmine is my beautiful and tender-hearted cockapoo, whatever in the world a cockapoo is. Um, it's my tender-hearted cockapoo. He says, she knows it's wrong to go near the old barn that's on the edge of my property, but she saw a black cat run behind it, and she took off in a playful chase. Unfortunately, it wasn't a cat. It was a skunk. <laughs> it was a skunk. And Jasmine was quite surprised to get a face full of stink. Um, he, he said, she, she smelled so bad when she came back to the house. He goes, she smelled so bad that I didn't even want to bring her into the house. So I sequestered her into the bathroom while I tried to figure out how to make her clean. He said, on the internet, I found several home remedies for removing skunk stink. He said, the remedies called for, the recipes called for ingredients like tomato juice, or a mixture of hydrogen peroxide and baking soda. He goes, I think one of, the listed, one of them listed dark chocolate. He goes, okay, I made that up. But the dark chocolate was for me. He said, he said these mixtures removed the bite of the skunk stink and the, you know, got rid of that eye-watering garlic-like perfume. But the overall smell was still there. He said, by then, it was almost midnight, so I covered her with an old blanket and put, her, put, it on the, and put another one on the floor of the bathroom, and that's where Jasmine spent the night. He said, this next morning, I went to the pet store, and I found, I found a remarkable de-skunker that removed every bit of the stink and left Jasmine smelling wonderfully clean again. Now, I thought of that story when I was working on this thought about God need to purify us. Because I don't know about you, but here's what I discovered. When I invited Jesus Christ into my heart, he regenerated me. He gave me new life. But that was just the beginning. And God has continued that work. And when I remembered that story, I, I thought about this. If, if I am going to be used by God, I don't know if this fits for you, but every once in a while, I kind of notice I've still got a little stink left. Now, how many of you can relate to this? Come on. And I thought, you know what? If, if I'm really going to be God's agent to my family, if I'm going to be God's agent to my community, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be God's agent with my neighbors, I, I might need to spend just a little bit of time with God saying, I need you to get the rest of the stink out. I, I need you to deal with that stinky attitude that I have that stinky selfishness that I've got, that stinky anger that seems to pop out at the most inopportune time. I, I need you to deal with my stinky tongue that speaks before it thinks. I, I, I need you to do a little bit of a purifying work. I, I love in the story how, as, as Isaiah confessed himself, it said that, that the angel of the Lord came to him and touched him on the lips, and that was just a great symbol of God's grace and God's ability to take something unholy and make it holy. And what would happen for us if we would just spend a little bit of time saying, Lord, purify my heart. Come and show me what stink needs to get out of me so that I can be your representative wherever I go. Does that make sense? Let me give you one more. Take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Everybody look at me, make eye contact. There is a difference between 
knowing you're an agent of God and being an agent of God. Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abram and he says, I want to do something remarkable through you. I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your father's household. I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And if you'll follow me, I'm going to bless you. And in fact, I'm going to bless you so much you're not going to believe it. I'm going to, I'm going to bless your offspring. In fact, through you, the whole world will be blessed. Now, as we read that, that story in, in, in Genesis 12, there's a little phrase that is so important. I put it on your outline. What's it say, church? So Abram, read it with me again. So Abram, he went. Can you imagine Abram receiving this news from God going, dude, I get to be a blessing. Going around telling all of his neighbors, I get to be a blessing. You know, going around, I get to, you know, and he's, he's just basking in that. And, and, he, and he thinks about, he, he starts getting books out and reading about what does it mean to be a blessing. What if Abram did everything but go? You see, the only way that Abram was going to change the world is if he took a step of faith and actually did what God asked him to do. Amen? And that's us. We could sit in here all day and talk about we need to be an agent of God to our family. But there's a difference between getting out of here and going and being an agent. To our family. Can I share an example of that? There's a guy in Tennessee. His name is Wayne Noss. He's a grandfather. Wayne, uh, good Christ follower, concerned about his family. Had a grandson by the name of Ryan, and Ryan was always a good kid. Ryan went to a Christian school, and Ryan grew up to be, from all accounts, a, a really fine young man. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's Ryan. When Ryan got of age, he, he decided to take a really bold step with his life. He joined the Army. Throw that next picture up. Became a sergeant. And Wayne, who had been always praying for Ryan, always praying that God would work in his life, always praying that Ryan would become the man of God that he really believed he could be. Now Wayne was really concerned. He thought, you know, growing up, being around us is one thing, but now being in the army, being out on the own, you know, he, he, he always in the back of his mind thought, you know, I, I, need, I need to have a real heart-to-heart with Ryan. I, I need to know where he is with God. But the opportunity just never seemed to come. And then finally, Wayne got the news that Ryan was going to be deployed. And so he set up a time and he, he, he met with Ryan. And he sat down with him and he said, Ryan, I, I, knew you, I knew you grew up in the church, but I knew you went to Christian school. But I need to know this. Is Jesus your Savior? Is he the king of your heart? Are you trusting your salvation and your eternity? Have you trusted that to him? 
And this very hard conversation, you know, for, for it's, it feels awkward for us as grandparents or parents to have that kind of conversation with our kid. But the, in this very awkward conversation, Ryan looked his grandfather in the eye and he said, yeah, Grandpa, Jesus is the king of my heart. He's the savior of my soul. And I've trusted my eternity to him. And Wayne said he, when, he, when he left, he said he just felt so good because, you know, Ryan's going to be deployed. And he said, I, 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 know, I, I know where Ryan's at. And he, he said I was just, he was just so filled with joy about that. And, and then Ryan got shipped off to Afghanistan. Ryan was in Afghanistan one week. And on August 26th, some terrorists blew up a bomb. You saw that in the news. And 13 of our troops were killed. And Ryan was one of those. At the funeral, Wayne shared the story of his conversation with Ryan. And he said, you know, as this moment is, as hard as it is for me to know that my grandson is gone, I rest in this. I will see him again. I will see him again. I thought to myself, that's what it means to be an agent of God. Who will go for me, God says. Who will go and have those awkward conversations? Who will go and ask those really hard questions? Who will go and be my representative wherever they are so that my Holy Spirit has a chance to speak? Who will go? And Isaiah said, and we will say, what church? Here am I, send me. You know, we often talk about bringing people to church. And, you know, I'm your pastor, and, and I, I'd love you bringing people to church. In fact, I'll give you a buffalo nickel if you bring somebody to church. You know, I, I, I love that. I think that's so cool. But we get a chance to do something else. We get a chance to go and be the church. You know, every week we gather in this place and we get to encounter in this sanctuary the presence of God. But what if, what if we develop this mindset that we get to leave here, go throughout our community, go home, go to school, go to work, go to our neighborhood, go wherever, wherever we are. And what if we decided, I'm going to be the sanctuary of God wherever I go. I'm going to let God use me to touch people with his presence and his power. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I believe that every single Sunday, God's Holy Spirit whispers to the church over and over again, who will go for us? Who can we send? Everybody out there is not going to come here. We have to go there. Can God count on you? I've asked Rachel to lead us in this song. It's just a beautiful little chorus. It says, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. And I want you to let this be your prayer today. We'll sing this through, and then I'll close this out in a time of prayer.
Um, Lord, we always we can't get all of our family or all of our friends or all of our coworkers or all of our fellow students to come to church. But we can take the church to them. Your word says that when we invite you into our life, that your spirit indwells us. And that wherever we go, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that we are your ambassadors as though you were making your appeal through us. Lord, you need your agents. You need agents to the families. You need agents in our schools. You need agents in our neighborhood. You need agents in our workplaces. You need agents in our community. And Father, today we cry out, here we are. Send us. Father, we know that we're not all that we need to be yet. So we invite your Holy Spirit to purge us to purify us, to wash us of anything, any of that stink that we've got left, anything in us that is blocking you from showing through. And we pray you would fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, that we might be the sanctuary of your presence and your power and your peace wherever we find ourselves. Lord, we are all you've got So put your hand upon us and work through us, we pray. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. And everyone said.